0: Hi everyone, welcome to Soap Lore, a podcast where a vintage soap novice like myself reviews and explores the sudsiest, soapiest storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Each week, we will dive into an episode of this iconic era of television so we can see what all the hype was about. We're watching the good, the bad, the gaudy, and the forgotten Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Jet, and this is Soap. Hey everyone, I hope the holidays are treating you well. We are mere hours away from 2022. I hope next year brings you everything you want. I hope 2021 wasn't too hard on you. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay, we get to start with my very favorite person on the show, Mr. Stephen Carrington. So Stephen's been working really hard and he seems to be gaining the respect of his peers. He's working the night shift. And he's also avoiding Matthew like the plague, because if you don't remember last week, he made out with Claudia in their kitchen. Matt, this doesn't go unnoticed. And Matthew asks, he pulls him aside and he asks if anything's wrong. And Stephen nervously reassures him that, no, everything's fine. He's just, you know, he's just working. He's just busy. Lancashire, out of nowhere, says, hey, Stephen, why don't you come have breakfast with me? I know the perfect spot. It's only uh, 40 minutes away. Now, Stephen obviously doesn't want to go, but he's polite, so he he accepts the offer. Now, once he walks away to go freshen up or do whatever he needs to do to get ready, I mean, it's six in the morning, Matthew feels away about it, and he asks, he asks Walter. He's like, why? why are you inviting him to breakfast? I didn't think you'd be very comfortable around him. And Lancashire is honest. He says, I'm not, but I want to give the kid a chance. That's enough for Matthew. He's satisfied. So he just goes about his business. Now, Stephen, who is obviously still thinking about Claudia and the other night at their house and their kiss, decides that he's going to call her before he goes to breakfast. It's 6am. So he's pretty lucky that Claudia is a morning person and she doesn't mind the call. He basically tells her, um, you know, I want to say thank you for dinner. I had a great night It was probably one of the best nights of my life. And by the way, I'm not sorry. Calling to let you know that I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Is that bad? And Claudia, I guess she feels the same way. She's like, no, it's cool. It's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. And they leave it at that. So Stephen climbs into the Jeep with Lancashire. And Lancashire is his usual foghorn, leghorn, southern drawl, over the top person. He's just talking the whole way. And he's telling Stephen about all of his ex-wives. I think he says he has about three. And they pull up to a nondescript home. Now, Stephen, who I assume was expecting a breakfast burrito, was shocked when he gets a bordello instead. Yes, a bordello. Langersham has taken it upon himself to make it his personal mission in life to fix Stephen by introducing him to the joys of a woman. Now, obviously, this is incredibly inappropriate for a number of reasons, and it's really gross. It's kind of skeezy, but Stephen, rightfully so, he's not into it. Lankersham refuses to take no for an answer and he threatens to break his legs if he doesn't get in there and enjoy the, the, so on his royal oats, I guess. Luckily, the young lady of the night that Stephen is forced into having breakfast with, she's not into it. And this is a release because Stephen isn't up for breakfast either. He's had breakfast before. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't know why everybody thinks he doesn't like breakfast. He's just not hungry. Okay. Get off the guy's back. She clearly doesn't like her position in life at this time. So she's more than happy to just watch TV. So they do. They hang out and they watch TV instead. All right. Watch a little TV. So the next day at work is a rough one. And it's all because of that good old, everyone's favorite drunk, Ed. After the previous night's shift, Ed had snuck up to the the rig and he removed a screw. Apparently this had dire consequences and warranted hanging a man 70 feet in the air by his ankles. Listen, I've heard of some pretty crazy wild things going down in the oil field, especially on a rig, but not this. It's a tough job and the people who work it, you have to be tough. You have to have thick skin, but hanging somebody upside down over a screw is absolutely ridiculous. So anyway, no surprise to you, I'm sure. The guy hanging upside down is none other than our Stephen Carrington. He's been accused of sabotage. Lankersham and Matthew see Stephen hanging upside down and they, de- they demand like, Hey, you need to bring him down. But the crew doesn't want to, they want him to admit to them that he sabotaged them. And it's pretty sad. It's just easy to believe that he did because he's a Carrington. It has nothing to do with the sexuality at this point. They just believe that he's a Carrington. He's a little rich boy. Why would he all of a sudden come to this job? He shows up, things start going awry. He's easy to blame. Now, immediately this doesn't sit well with Matthew. Something he's hes like, this is sus. He looks at Ed and he's like, Ed, why are you blaming him? This is your fault. You're the driller. I mean, you're the guy in charge. Well, Ed makes up some lie like, oh, well, he took over this position and I thought I could trust him. But look, 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 look at, look at your rig. Obviously, we can't, we can't trust him. So they let Stephen down and they let him go. Permanently, that is. Stephen is fired for this whole fiasco. Now, now, two things. <laughs> Number one, if Ed is a mole, I'm not surprised. I can't tell if he sabotaged a rig to get rid of Stephen or if he's actually working for Blake and sabotaging Stephen was just a bonus. I can't tell, but either way, he's trash. Second thing is I'm having an extremely hard time believing that this one little bitty screw could bring down an entire operation. Now, the screw that this kid took, that Ed took, is about five inches long. It was small enough It's a thick screw, but it was small enough for him to put in his pocket. And it it went unnoticed. And listen to me, y'all. I have put together many a cheap piece of furniture in my day. I've put together for mica, board, like bookshelves, coffee tables, side tables, you name it. I put together this cheap furniture with little more than a butter knife and a hairpin. You are not going to tell me. That this whole behemoth of an operation, a rig is huge. It's basically a, a skyscraper almost. You're not going to convince me that that one little screw ruined the whole operation, but whatever. We're not here to discuss plot holes just yet, but whatever. He's he's sent home. The, uh, the job is in peril. They don't know if they're going to be able to complete it. Lancashire's thinking he needs to call up some rich guys or Carrington to see if they can get money to keep things operating. Okay, so anyway, Stephen returns home. He changes out of his oily work clothes and he washes up and he's forced to put back on his penny loafers, his khaki and a sweater vest. He joins Crystal and Blake for breakfast and he tells them that he's been let go and he tells them that it was his fault. Now, he asked Blake if he would do Matthew a solid and bail him out. He feels as if he's he feels personally responsible. He's like, you know, I'm a Carrington. I'm the one who ruined it. I didn't mean to, but I did. So dad, could you please, please help them out? Like, I don't, I, I feel really horrible that the whole operation is going to go under because of me. Do you think you can help them out? And if you do, I'll do whatever you want. Anything you want. Now Blake is intrigued. He's like, oh, really? So you'll date so-and-so? Stephen? yes. I'll, I'll work for your PR form. I'll give up my New York ways. We all know what that means. I'll do whatever it takes, dad. We just got to make this right. Well, this sends Blake into a tizzy and he tells Stephen that he'll do whatever he tells him to do and he'll be whatever he tells Stephen to be. Now, he's snapped at him like this before. You remember in the library on episode two, but it's like he felt bad. So Blake stops Stephen as he gets up. He's like, hey, 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 I'm sorry. Listen, everything I do is for you. Like, I'm not going to be around forever. I'm building this up for you. I can't I can't give away anything. This is for you and your sister and your families. And Stephen is very, um, I don't really know the term for it, but have you ever accepted an apology from someone who you knew they didn't really mean it? And he says, um, okay, dad, I, I believe that you believe that's what you're doing. So thank you. But I really need to know. Yeah, I know. Are you going to help Matthew? Blake gets mad all over again. Absolutely not. I'm not helping. No. So once again, Stephen is downtrodden. He's, you know, depressed. He heads upstairs and he begins to pack his bags. He is headed for New York. Now, I don't know how, but Fallon knew about this. I don't know if she was ducking around a corner, if she was listening with the glass jar because she was nowhere to be found, but she bursts into his room and she tells him, okay, if you're going, I'm going too. And then she also, she knows he's going to New York and he's she asks why, and I think he says something like, oh, I don't have a life here. And she's like, are you going back to him? So she knows about Ted. She didn't know his name, but she knew that he was in love with a man. And he's, he, he's a little bit defensive. I guess he doesn't know where she's coming from with it, but she, she there's no malice in her heart. She literally does not care. And She's like, oh, you know, I understand this is rough, but you enjoy being a Carrington, like go take what you want in the world. And from the beginning, we understand that she has a, per- she's, a, she's more like Blake. He is not. He doesn't want to live his life that way. So he tells her, okay, so what? So what? I'm in love with a man, but you hate the man you're married to, which one is more immoral. And once again, she's like, I don't care who you love. I don't care who you don't. I just, I love you. Please don't go. And so they chat for a minute and she's begging him. Just like, if you leave, I'm going to be so mad at you. I'll never talk to you again, blah, blah, blah. You can tell he loves his little sister. and She's like, I really, really love you. Please stay. So he agrees to stay for Fallon. Fallon is his boo that's his baby sister so he will be staying. and you know I'm glad that, it, that episode ended on a positive note because after last week I really thought actually I don't really have a lot of thought about the next episode because this is the soap opera I have no idea where this is gonna go but it's nice to see his day ending and on a positive note and it's nice to see him receiving some sort of validation because he's a good kid. Like he, he's legitimately a good person. But we're going to move on to Miss Crystal. Crystal, Crystal, Crystal. Okay. So Crystal's also having somewhat of a long day herself. She was summoned to the library in the wee hours of the morning by her husband's maid. Let me ask you guys something. Let's say you have, I don't know if you live alone, you live with your family, let's say for whatever reason you have company over friend, sister, family, whatever. If someone woke you up at 2 a.m., would your first thought be to go and get like fully dressed for the next day? Or would you just throw on a robe? Right? I would just throw on a robe. If that, it depends on what I'm wearing. I'm usually pretty decent in bed. So I would probably just put on my slippers, maybe a sweatshirt and I'd go see what's going on. But Crystal is not us. She's not me. And She is doing her best to acclimate to this new lifestyle. So she gets fully dressed. She's burning through that wardrobe again. She put on at least $200 worth of clothes. She went downstairs. Thankfully, she did. She didn't follow what I would have done because she would have been really embarrassed when she got downstairs. Blake has at least a dozen, if not more, of his staff in the library. Everybody's frantically shuffling papers or running back and forth or making phone calls. Everybody's freaking out. He's freaking out the most. So lawyer Andrew is back and he has to inform Blake that that oil reserve that he was banking on in the in the undisclosed Middle Eastern country, it's gone. It's never coming back. The rebels have taken it over. Forget about it. And Blake is struggling. He's doing the most. He's, he's flipping out. The only way to save himself or not himself, I mean, the only way to save his family and their wealth is to gift Crystal, his new wife, several new companies. He's basically moving money around so that his creditors can't come after him, is what he's doing. Now, he says he doesn't want to get her involved, and I believe that. I think he's a proud man, but I i mean, maybe in his eyes, it looks like she's bailing him out, but she's really not. But Andrew tells him, okay, if you don't get her involved, then you can kiss all of us goodbye. All of us don't have a job. Okay, so they kick everyone out of the room, and Andrew... And Blake and Crystal sit down to discuss what needs to be done. So Crystal is presented with a stack of paperwork. And Blake's like, honey, I need you to sign this. I just, I need you to sign this. And uh, I'm going to make you a corporate officer in charge of several new subcorporations. Now, apparently Crystal's doe-eyed expression isn't one of ignorance after all. She does this kind of wide-eyed, I'm a little girl look a lot. But she's, she's not dumb. And she's not that in love anymore. I mean, she's obviously in love, but she's smart. So the next question she asks is, is this legal? Blake gets really pissed. And he's like, why are you asking me that? I already told you. I already told you everything was fine. Mark my word, his ego will be the end of him. It's going to be a moment where he needs help. He's too proud to ask. It'll. I promise you it's going to be the end of him. So he's fussing and he's flipping out and she's just not having it because, you know, this isn't going to be part two of the prenup you're not going to just put prenups in front of me now I'm asking you what's up what's with this paperwork so she doesn't she's kind of being tough I was proud of her she wasn't signing anything he gets a phone call and she sees she hears him yelling and she softens and of course she signs the papers so this is either the next day or later on that day since this would have been like three in the morning she has her friends over for tennis now these are the friends that were at the wedding shower it's two of them The hater friend, remember her? And a rando friend. Now, the hater friend is still salty about Crystal's new position in life and her new tennis skills. (laughs) Y'all, Crystal is mopping the floor with them. It's two on one and Crystal is in full beast mode. She's relentless. Her hater friend gets really mad and she starts telling the other friend, can't believe this is happening. I type 100 words a minute. Crystal only types 60 and she gets the mansion and the million dollar tennis coach and the new wardrobe. But if I had a tennis professional come over twice a week, I could probably be. And she catches herself, mostly because Crystal walks over to her. and She's like, girl, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm going through a lot. I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. And Crystal is completely unbothered for whatever reason. She Maybe she just knows the girl's going through something, so she doesn't hold it against her. So this brings us to the breakfast that Stephen and Blake had their little moment at. And Crystal is once again dressed in cashmere, a beautiful cashmere wrap sweater this time. That really is her breakfast outfit. So she's already a little bit annoyed because she's beginning to see a different side of him, which doesn't make sense if she's been his secretary, but perhaps she wasn't privy to everything. You know, maybe once he realized he liked her, she just wasn't involved as much. Anyway, she's annoyed. She's giving Blake full side eye the entire breakfast. She's fed up with the relationship dynamics between Stephen and Blake. And she warns him once Stephen leaves, she's like, I can't believe you did that to him. Your son opens up to you and you reject him and you're going to lose him if you don't learn to do better by him. So Blake, you know, he's proud. He's already frustrated. He asks her, are you upset that I rejected Stephen or are you mad that I rejected Matthew? And she's like, Oh, how dare it? That's what she says. That's not fair. How dare you? However, It's actually perfect because she's had, she's had a few things on her chest and this is the perfect time to bring it up. She's got something on her mind. So she does. She's, she tells him, you know, kind of questioning your intentions from Matthew. You, you didn't really want to help him, did you? You just wanted to talk to him, Carrington style. And Blake answers like, Hey, he ain't my friend. He walked out on me. I don't have no friends, no new friends, especially not Matthew Blaisdell. I don't care what happens to him. And he's failing because he's not me. Period, Crystal. That's his problem, not mine. So she's she's mad. And she's like, oh, okay, but I'm pretty sure it was because of you. And he's, tch, tch, sh- whatever, not me. She's like, okay, well, what was that party then? You invited him over here for nothing. And Blake admits, no, I didn't invite him over for nothing. Thought maybe he'd come back and I use the wine and I use my home and important people to trick him. And Crystal's like, okay, so... Let's say, for argument's sake, that this wasn't going to help him. It was just going to help you. Is that why you did it? And he breaks it down to her once again. He really is showing her the ropes, but it's probably not the ropes she was expecting. And he says, "I'm I'm paraphrasing. It's a dirty business, babe. I got to do what I got to do. I have a claw. I have to claw my way to the top more times than you can count. I have to please stockholders. I have a board of directors I have to answer to, and sometimes I need to be ruthless." That's the business. There are no handouts, and I don't win anything by being nice. I use what I could to get what I needed. You can either be a wolf, or you can be a sheep who gets eaten. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Crystal says, well, I guess I'm a sheep then, huh? Because you definitely use me to seduce Matthew. Very dramatic music, it fades out. So the truth is, she is very concerned about Matthew, especially since, you know, Stephen told her what he told her. She's so concerned that she actually calls up the hater friend and asks her to sell the necklace and earrings that she wore to the party. I think they were the the emeralds. She wants to sell that and give the money to Matthew. Now this friend, the hater friend, she works for Denver Carrington as well. So she is the go-to person. She's she's done this for other executives. She's like, they can, she can get rid of things for you discreetly and in a way that it's hard to trace. So Crystal being her friend, she knew that. So she goes to her and her friend Really has stopped hating. The first thing she does is like looks Crystal. I'm so embarrassed at my behavior at your party. And I'm really embarrassed about what happened at tennis. It's just you were so good to me. You were the only person who got me through my divorce. I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. I was jealous, but I don't envy your life at all. And I think you have a bigger problem than this necklace. And Crystal's like, Well, what do you mean? And her friend's like, You're selling jewelry from your husband? to help your ex like who are you in love with and crystal's seemed a little bit hurt by this she's like i'm i'm in love with blake i am but i can't help that i i love matthew i do love him and i can't help that he's in my life it's not my fault but i'm doing this not to get back at blake i'm doing this because i i i feel like i used matthew and i didn't mean to do that this is my way of making it right so Will you sell the necklace for me? Will you, I mean, will you be cool? You keep it to yourself and her friends. Like, of course, don't even worry. I got you. So this is the last scene of this episode. And picture this, Intercrystal wearing, you guessed it, yet another cashmere sweater. This time it is, uh, it's cream again. She's wearing a cashmere sweater and this really big duffel bag. Well, it's a purse, but it's like a tote, a big one. And she goes all the way out to Matthew's uh, rig. So that she can speak to him face to face. And she walks in. He's surprised to see her. He's obviously stressed because he knows tomorrow would be the day that Walter's going to call Carrington or someone to see if they can borrow money. And she pulls out a manila envelope filled with money and hands it to him. He's shocked. He's probably really surprised that she showed up anyway. But in this instance, he's really surprised because the last time they spoke was in the garden at the party where he believed she was helping her, her husband buy him out so she stirs up with this wad of cash and he's just like wow i can't believe you did this for me i love you crystal she's like i love you too matthew and they start making out they start making out make out standing up first. then they make their way to the couch and she tells him you know i'm i'm sorry matthew i'm sorry i can't what else is she, what does she say i can't give you anything else that belongs to him Ooh, and of course to be continued a good episode right love and loyalty which one is more important who was she actually loyal to this reminds me of my friend Erica a few years ago she would give us these questions daily like just random things to think about keep your mind sharp and one of those questions was can you be in love with two people at the same time and there was this random I can't remember this guy's name his argument was You cannot be in love with two people at the same time because it's like, it's like working two full-time jobs. One's going to get your all, the other one isn't. I think that's a very noble thing to think, but I think in human nature, love in the emotional way, you can absolutely love more than one person because people touch different parts of your life, different parts of your heart. It's like your first love in the person you marry. Of course you love them, but you chose the latter for whatever reason but I think it's an interesting concept because she loves Blake but it seems like the more she learns about him the less she likes him or she likes she dislikes his ways I don't think she dislikes him she just dislikes his ways and if she was bold enough to sell jewelry that he gave her to help Matthew out it's like that's a huge risk what is how is she going to explain that maybe she won't maybe she'll just pretend like she lost some swimming or something who knows we'll just have to see I can't wait till next week okay so I'm gonna do the rundown we are at, uh, we're still at the five love triangles, the Crystal, Blake, and Matthew triangle, which heated up this week. Matthew, Claudia, and Crystal. Fallon, Michael, and Jeff. Jeff, Cecil, and Fallon. And of course, a dark horse we didn't see coming. Claudia, Matthew, and Stephen. maybe. Maybe that was just an I like you kiss. Maybe, uh, who knows? Who knows? Okay, two oil rig sabotage. I'm actually going to add three. To that. So there's three oil rig sabotage. We're still up to four fist fights. There's still only been one pack of dogs sicked on one person. One count of blackmail. One count of bribery. One idle threat, Four accents. Half a slap. One stare down. Two marriages. We're up to four forbidden kisses and one race for being reckless. I kinda wanna add something to already right, added in sabotage. The whole um what's his name? Drunk Eddie. Stealing, but nobody knows he did it yet. So, but we know that's three sabotages. Okay, our diamond and jewel count totally did not see this coming. Seems like the only jewels we know that are full in possession now are the blue oval earrings. And she basically pawned the emerald set in order to help Matthew out this week. The wild cards remain the same. Andrew, I'm gonna keep him on the wild card list this week. He just seems to be a little more steady. Who knows? This is great. This is turning out wonderful. I'll talk to you guys next week. Happy New Year and have a great one.